Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk. So it's kind of a crazy time to be doing this next uh, feature because our, our guest is hours away from launch. Because this week, the European Space Agency launched the JUICE mission to study Jupiter and its moons. And Irish scientists have been working on a way to understand how spacecraft are affected by electromagnetic waves as they orbit a planet. Professor Katrina Jackman is one of those. She's head of the Planetary Magnetospheres Group at the Dublin Institute for Advanced Studies. And she was at the European Space Operations Centre in Darmstadt, Germany, for its launch earlier this week on Friday, which for me and her is in a few hours, but I I guess for you is Friday gone. Uh, Katrina, great to have you on the programme. Tell me about this JUICE mission. What's it all about? Sure. So JUICE stands for the Jupiter Icy Moons Explorer, and it's a European Space Agency mission with the aim to fly to Jupiter and to study Jupiter and the Jovian system, but crucially to study some of Jupiter's really exotic moons and specifically to look at moons Ganymede, Europa and Callisto, which we believe are the best candidates in our solar system beyond the Earth to search for conditions that may support life. How does a mission like this come together? What are the thinking patterns for for choosing what you want to look at, what you want to measure and where you actually go? It's a huge endeavour to go to the outer solar system. It's not the first time that we've been to Jupiter. Several spacecraft have flown by Jupiter and we've had two orbiters. So we had the Galileo orbiter back in the sort of late 90s, early 2000s. And then right now, NASA have a mission called Juno, which has been at Jupiter since 2016 and has actually recently been extended through to 2025. So, you know, space is difficult, it's challenging and it's it's hard to get there, but we have the, the technical capability to do it. And I would say, you know, how missions develop is that we get better at asking questions. So we refine the questions. We go to a place, we fly by or we send an orbiter and we discover things that we maybe didn't expect. And that helps us to refine the questions for the next time. And specifically how that has worked with JUICE is that previous missions which have gone to Jupiter have given us a really strong hint that there's something really exciting going on at some of Jupiter's moons. And that has really framed how we have planned the JUICE mission. Give us a reminder of what Jupiter is like and its moon Ganymede that we're very interested in. What, what, is it, what is it made of? How big is it? And what are the interesting things about that planet? Well, Jupiter is really the king of the solar system. It's often described as, as the planet of superlatives. And one of the things that I really like <laughs> about being a planetary scientist is that You know, the textbooks that I had when I was in school and possibly you too as well, Jonathan, um, are different to the textbooks that my children have now and probably are going to be different again by the time we get to the next generation. That's because we're learning more. So, you know, basic questions like what is Jupiter made of? Actually, we don't fully know. Um, We know that it's mostly hydrogen and helium but we don't know exactly what's going on at the core of the planet and how exactly its enormously strong magnetic field is being generated. And crucially, at some of these moons, Ganymede included, we don't know exactly what's going on under the surface. So we can take images and we can look at these icy crusts 
and we can take measurements with um, magnetometers, for example, instruments that measure magnetic field. And it's actually those measurements which have given us a hint that there are liquid oceans underneath some of these moons. And that's really where the big question about habitability and the possibility to support life comes about. Because if you have a liquid water ocean and an outer solar system moon, that's a hint that there could be something really cool going on under the surface. So this is Ganymede. And um, as you say, the it has its own magnetic field and the way that wave um, is perceived by us here at Earth and from, from other measurements, the idea is that there might be liquid oceans under a, a kind of crusty surface. How do, how do we know that? What, what about the magnet, magnetic wave tells us that? We see some very distinct uh, wobbles or fluctuations in magnetic field measurements that give us a hint as to um, what's going on underneath the surface. And magnetometers are just one way to uh, effectively probe underneath the surface. So JUICE, for example, has an instrument called RIME, which is an ice penetrating radar instrument. It also has an instrument called RPWI, the radio and plasma wave instrument. Lots of acronyms in planetary science, but um, RPWI, which is the radio instrument, is the instrument that we're involved in um, with DIAS. And one of the capabilities of that instrument is to measure the salinity or the saltiness of any subsurface ocean associated with these moons. And the saltiness is a real key to understanding the possibility to support life. Why salt? Well, if we think about what are the constituents that life needs to survive, you know, like the human life here on the surface of the earth, of course, the sun is one of the big factors in um, our survival. But there are lots of weird and wonderful places on earth where other types of life can thrive. So if you think about the deep dark oceans and hydrothermal vents that are active at the base of deep dark oceans, there's no sunlight there, but there is energy and there is activity and there's um, a mineral soup that's going on at this interaction between the hydrothermal vents, the salty ocean and the sort of rocky base of the seafloor. And mm. so that's uh, that kind of analog situation is what we think may be happening at Ganymede and at Europa and potentially even at Callisto. But there's so much that we have left to learn and so much that's going to be re rewritten in terms of textbooks because we don't know how thick the icy shells are. We don't know whether these oceans are global, whether they go all the way around the moons. We don't know how deep the oceans might be. We don't know exactly what's going on um, at, at the core of these moons. I mean, we, we've made some awesome progress in, in space science, but for me, it's actually exciting to think that there's so much that we don't yet know and missions like JUICE are really poised to make enormous breakthroughs for us. So tell me about your involvement in the project because your team was brought in last year to try and understand how the the planet's um, the radiation of uh, electromagnetic waves might affect spacecraft and how that might affect measurements. Yes. So I lead the Planetary Magnetospheres Group at DIAS and we have two associate scientists, myself and Dr. Corentin Louis, and we have a co-investigator, Dr. Mika Holmberg, um, all part of this RPWI radio instrument. 
on juice. And um, Mika in particular, she actually brings a European Space Agency fellowship to Ireland. So she's partly funded by the European Space Agency and partly funded by Science Foundation Ireland. And she used to work for ESA as part of the core juice engineering team. And she is an expert in spacecraft charging. And so that is understanding and measuring and simulating and quantifying how spacecraft become electrically charged as they orbit planets and as they they fly through space. And that charging is critical for us to understand because that has a huge impact on the way that we take measurements. Because if you've got charged particles on a certain trajectory about to enter into a detector on a spacecraft, but the surface of your spacecraft itself is charged, that can cause a deflection in the path of those particles and effectively mean that you're you're taking incorrect measurements. And so it's kind of like a dirty lens, isn't it? Almost, almost. But you we have sort of animations um, from our simulation runs which show, you know, a charged particle happily making its way towards the spacecraft detector, and then all of a sudden it's significantly deflected and it maybe doesn't make it to the detector at all because of the charging up. And Jupiter is a, the strongest magnetic field of any planet in our solar system and a really radiation intense environment. And so our work in Dias is really to maximize the scientific output of the mission. Because if you go all the way to Jupiter, you want to make sure that your measurements are of the highest fidelity possible. And especially when you're looking at conditions for habitability, the stakes are really high. So we want to make sure that we're making robust, correct measurements. Given that this mission is probably, what, 10 years in the making or something like that? It probably would have been at least, yeah. Yeah, at least 10 years ago. Is one year ago a bit late to be drafted in uh, on, on, on a project like this? Or, um, or was, because it feels like very recent to be thinking about this, this problem. Was that already being worked on by others and then you just brought expertise? So, or why, yeah. why, why is it so, so close to launch? Yeah, so Mika only joined um, Dias last year and I actually only moved um, back myself in, in 2020. So we're a relatively new planetary science group in Ireland and um, as far as we're aware, the only Irish group working with these kind of um, Jupiter data sets. And so it's a great opportunity to bring those data sets and bring that new expertise to Ireland for the first time. But in terms of, um, you know, these science topics, you know, I've been working on outer planet magnetospheres for 20 years um, and several of my team have moved internationally um, from positions at the European Space Agency and at other international collaborator institutes um, to bring that expertise to Ireland and to really lead from here, which is great because it's also an opportunity for Irish students and also for the general public to get a bit up close and personal with what we're doing, you know, to come and see mm. us. Like we're based at the Dunsink Observatory in Dublin to come to open nights and, and talk to us face to face and learn about, you know, Irish science activity. Yeah, I mean, Ireland has a great um, history of astronomy, of course. And yet, uh, you know, maybe 10 years ago, we, we weren't really at the at the table when it came to scientific research. So it's great to see that um, this sort of research is, um, is is actually actively being used in in space missions, going to somewhere as cool as Jupiter. Um, you talked about habitability there, and I suppose we can't really ignore this question because it is the question. What are your thoughts on habitability of, of Ganymede? Do you think it is possible that 
um, the mixture of minerals and the, the, the different temperatures underneath the surface of that moon may have the right conditions for life. Um, and, and do you think, it, uh, you know, we might one day come across it? Uh in short, yes. Uh, I, I think it would almost be arrogant of us to think that we are uh, the only organisms in our solar system or beyond. And, you know, Jupiter, as I say, is the best place beyond Earth to look for conditions that can support habitability. And actually, at ESA, the European Space Agency, have released something called Voyage 2050, which is effectively their vision into the coming decades for what are the top science questions to be answered. And in the top three science questions is the study of outer planet moons, because they're just such exotic environments, but they're still accessible to us. You know, we can send yeah. spacecraft up close and personal, and we can orbit these moons at really, really close distances. And spacecraft like JUICE are really well instrumented. There are 10 instruments on JUICE. We can measure magnetic fields. We can measure charged particles. We have this ice penetrating radar. We can measure radio waves. And the instrument that, that we work with is going to do things like quantify that saltiness. It's going to do things like search for evidence of an atmosphere at these moons. So I think certainly Ganymede or Europa may hold some amazing secrets and i just cannot wait until juice gets there um that is quite a long way away um unfortunately because as i say um the launch is only a few hours away as we speak how are you feeling about it by the way i didn't get a lot of sleep last night i was just <laughs> totally wired and just too excited um it's it's just such an amazing um job to have. I can't kind of believe it sometimes that this is actually my day job. But, you know, one aspect of planetary science that I really like, um, you know, it is a long game and it does require patience, which isn't usually my forte. But I started my career working on the Cassini mission to Saturn. And I started that when I was a co-op student from the University of Limerick. I was doing my physics degree and I went to the UK and I did my co-op placement working on Cassini which at the time was on its way to Saturn. And I really benefited from the previous generations of planetary scientists who had spent 20 years planning that mission and figuring out the science goals and building the instruments and taking all the risks. And now my scientific generation are planning and building and executing missions like JUICE, which the next generation of scientists are going to be analyzing. And, you know, when I go and I talk to um secondary school children in particular i say to them you know you guys are the people who are going to have the opportunity to analyze these data sets because it's going to be eight years before juice gets there certainly i also <laughs> hope to um still be very much involved in that analysis but it is a long game it takes a long time yeah. to get to the outer solar system so it's nice to pass that knowledge and that expertise from one generation to the next well the very best of luck with the launch because i know that is obviously a huge milestone to get and we have you can't negate the the risk involved in that but um here's hoping everything goes well and in eight years time we can have you back on the program katrina to talk about uh jupiter as it explores magnetic fields looks for hidden oceans and tries to understand whether or not there may be 
biosignatures, pockets of water, something that may harbour life outside of this planet. Really exciting to speak with you. Thank you so much for your time. Professor Katrina Jackman, working on the European Space Agency's JUICE mission from DIAS. Thanks so much and enjoy the launch. Thank you. Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk.